0: source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of ATP. James here, joined by Ryan and Alex following Everton's 2-1 loss at Molyneux to Wolves. Wolves have now taken 13 points from their last six matches. And since the start of September, only Chelsea have won more Premier League games. Also, Everton have lost three Premier League games in a row for the first time, not in a long time, but since this time last year under Carlo Ancelotti. <laughs> With that, we go to our <laughs> instant match reactions. Over to Alex first. You have to laugh, folks. You just have to laugh or you'll go crazy.
0: Yeah, I mean, pretty much, right? I, I think uh, we'll we'll sum up kind of, how the match ebbed and flowed, but really it just, it went from utter, utter defeat to somewhat slight feelings of, of hope, which Everton always seems to reel you back in for a little while. And here we are getting a two one for another defeat, which is ending up to be a disappointing afternoon, but especially on a Monday. Thanks Everton.
2: Way to ruin our week. Uh, Yeah, it was frustrating. You saw the setup you know some things looked optimistic and then you saw them on the field playing the way they were and you're shaking your head you know i i we've talked about it so often on this pod and we'll get into the tactics of it but it was so obviously tactical mistakes again and it was just out of the stubbornness of the coach and you knew it because he switched you know very quickly after the first two goals but anyway let's uh let's get into that in a second but uh score predictions James, we did get score prediction at least one right right we had
1: two yeah we had a couple partial credit yeah we had uh i just love that we're getting the rafa digs in early folks we're gonna not for the last time i
2: mean look i (laughs) yeah i'm frustrated with the guy i mean i thought he was the number one reason why we lost the match today i'm so i don't see it any other way yes go
1: let's get into it in more detail but first give our dues to the correct score predictors we had og shill or ogs chill we had DL Barks, and then we get Stockhausen with partial credit for predicting a 2-1 result, although a win, he predicted, and predicted the Awobe goal. So partial credit there. Now over to Ryan to talk a little bit about Wolves' lineup to
2: start things. Yeah, Wolves playing a typical similar style to what they played under Nuno, um, under Bruno, Bruno, you know? What's that like, Ryan? What's it
1: like to have consistent style of play manager to manager?
2: It's fascinating, right? Uh, there's a reason why they've settled in and have done okay. What's it also like to have a couple weapons on the bench? Isn't that nice? Uh, not as many injuries? No, it's, it's, so it's familiar. We've seen the way Wolves has played many, many times. Uh, a couple changes though. Uh, Traore went to the bench. Uh, Trincao came in for him uh, and Ruben Evans came in for Den Donker. Um, but still it's nice to have those guys on the bench. Daniel Podence on the bench too. I mean, They've got some talent on this team. It's a little surprising how poorly they started. But again, transition with new managers, that type of thing happens. But like you said in the intro, they are, they are playing pretty well. Now, that being said, when the lineup was announced for Everton, I think some people felt somewhat optimistic about it. There's some interesting, at least one interesting name in there, I thought.
0: Yeah, you know, it was, uh, it was Monday afternoon. Everyone is excited to see the lineup graphic. I'm sure specifically because opportunities were afoot. And next thing you know, you pop up to see none other than JPG as the main man on the lineup graphics. So that was maybe at that time exciting. Nonetheless, you also had it will be in for Anthony Gordon. And Rondon went to the bench in favor of Richarlison, which is always
2: nice to see. Yeah, and it's good to see Aaron Free getting his wish, by the way, at Bowsy Toffee Tit uh his we've been going back and forth a lot his comment was Richie for Rondon but mean for Davies and there you go there you go now you mentioned Gordon makes way for Alex Awobi. now I think you know I I mentioned that I thought I think Alex makes sense as a 10 you know and I don't think Gordon is quite as accomplished in that role um but what are you guys thoughts about that the personnel in, in general and then we can talk about how Iwobi was used because I I still hate how Rafa's using him, but I mean Gordon was fine. I mean he, he played all right. Yeah, he was he was good. I have no issue with
1: dropping him for Alex Iwobi though when fit. I think Iwobi is a better player, albeit maybe not in that role that he was being used in. Yeah. That said, um, I agree with you, Ryan. That that Iwobi at the ten probably would have made more sense, but him coming in, I didn't have any major concerns there. Um, it was interesting the amount of shuffling around he was forced to do throughout the course of the match, but starting him on the left face value. I mean, we know he can play there. And that's where he had most of his success for Arsenal, but maybe not in this setup with Rafa.
2: Yeah, I think that's the point. I think you need someone to be vertical at some point, you know, and if Richarlison's not playing that way or even playing that way a little bit, he was still coming back for the ball a little bit. I just think we function better with gray out there and, and forcing gray to be vertical too. So he stops dwelling on the ball because we know he has a couple bad habits that way. He showed some of that today, but wasn't his best, best effort. And I just think Awobi does better sitting deeper and distributing out to those guys. And you saw it several times when we did break out. I always felt like Alex had the ball when I wanted, where I wanted gray to have the ball. And then gray had the ball where I would want, Awobi well, we'd have the ball. And I think if you're going to do that, I, I do think Anthony Gordon makes sense as more of the speedy vertical guy, but. We've talked about development of young players, and he had a pretty miserable loan situation last year in the championship. It didn't look good enough for that level. I do think it behooves us to get him in in successful opportunities, meaning as he's coming on against tired legs. And when the game started to open up in the second half, I, I thought that was the right use for him, and he showed well as a result. So if that's what his mind is, I mean, you know, the idea is to win as a unit. The minutes in the 77th and on count just as much as the first seven, you know So and I think Alex may be a little more fit in terms of uh, defensive responsibilities as well And I, that may have been some reason for it too You know, putting Woby on the left to deal with the attack of semedo I mean, which I think also makes sense um, Anyway, all right, tactical setup You guys saw what we sent out there from the Twitter feed We asked the qu- question, okay folks, what changes do we want to see from Everton tonight? what was number one kill the gap, kill, kill the, the gap. gap. Right. Right. We've seen this all year and James and I kept pointing it up. Now Alex is going to have to suffer through it, but yeah, I mean, there's a clear gap between the center halves and the center mids. Now, whether that's the center half's not moving up, whether it's the center mids, not moving back, I don't know, but it, it's been the same thing for multiple weeks where the center forwards are running back to the ball from up front, making themselves available in between the lines and there's too much space in there. And, and it's compounded when teams are smart enough to spread us out as well. Because defending in a four-four-two, Rafa wants it to be super compact horizontally. Well, if the players on the backside are really wide, it spreads up. Anyway, I was hopeful though. I thought JPG could sit, you know, and Alon could be more aggressive because I think that's been the issue. Like Alon cannot help himself. Um, so I, I was optimistic about that, right? And then number two, number two, we thought a lot of people talked about changing shape. Like I mentioned, fine. If you if you want to play a basic same shape, fine. But a four-two-three-one defending in a four-five-one would would be better because it gives us numbers in midfield but now it's wider you know the two blocks the two lines the middle line's wider you don't have to worry about the the you know the width quite as much um rupa pogba at Bossman jr friend of the show uh he said four three three hopefully bameen gray richie townsend across the front pray for Yarrow mm. so true so true. prayers up yep be fast and aggressive okay number three this is alex this is your bread and butter today right set piece adjustments have the blockers actually do something please dear god right um and ace dude he keeps changing his name it's too long now
1: (laughs) aka start anthony gordon every week at Lebon everton said better set piece defending no cheap fouls outside the box hearkening back to rafa's supposed words of wisdom prior to the last match which didn't go so well and so we
2: look at yeah i mean. So I, I, you know, I'm been the one that's been critical of recently, right? But I was holding out some optimism that his tactical wizardry would shine through, and we would see those strings. So number one, did we see the center back, center mid gap? Not at all.
1: It was uh, quite dramatic.
2: Yeah, we saw no change there whatsoever. It was still a massive gap, and they killed us in it the whole entire first 35 minutes. All right. I
1: mean, they had guys dropping in. It was it was crazy. We'll get
2: into it a little. It was a lot. I mean, it was actually amazing how many people they were throwing in those gaps. So all right, did we change shape? no not even close not even close that's right set piece adjustments how do we look on set pieces
1: still terrible though i think we did maybe potentially tweak a couple things but not in any significant way
2: it's debatable because they only had four of them so it was hard to tell but i'm not so sure they did but yeah i mean the blockers i guess got in their way a little more it's still pathetic anyway um let's talk about the overall setup just just real quickly um Godfrey looked like he was staying back a little bit. Gray, again, started in that second striker 10-roll. I don't like that. You know, we talked about Awobi wide left, why I'd rather have him and Gray switch, but I understand him playing defense. But again, 4-4-2 in defense, tried to be compact, 4-4-1-1 in attack. No no real change and definitely no real sitter, which is what we're crying for. And we'll talk in the timeline about the switch that we made um, instead of talking about it. Now, shot distribution, eh.
1: I mean, it, look, we gave them 80% of their shots inside the 18, but they had none inside the six, whereas we had 14% inside the six. That uh, Richarlison, gimme looms large in the memory, uh, yeah. as well as uh, 57% inside the 18. So, really, what, 71% total inside the 18 and 30% outside the box, but that's actually where we ended up finding some success in the end. And then, in terms of the ability to attack down either wing, Wolves certainly looked to go down the left to exploit. Ben Godfrey uh, filling in for the injured Luca Dean um, or excuse me. Well, they did it first though. They did it first. And then I thought they
2: swung back over more in the second half to
1: go at Coleman. um, But 40% of their attack came down the left, 33% down the right. I'd be interested to see that broken down by half, but nonetheless, Everton, meanwhile, focusing almost 40% down the right, 34% down the left. So you saw a lot of play over on Coleman's side um, and eventually obviously towns in there at first but it will be switched over there eventually but let's yeah. get into the timeline a little bit
2: yeah i mean ultimately i'm you know watching this first half and i'm just totally irate because you guys know me and i'm watching exactly what we hoped would not happen um i mean they almost scored off a corner in the in the 10th you know which was a crazy cracking like kind of the ball bounce stack to nevis he absolutely crushed it picked me a volley. fantastic oh i mean the guy's skilled i mean he may be slow as molasses but he can pass and he's skilled Cracks it, picks, makes a great save. Holgate clears it out. And then we saw again our our, you know, they were just dominating play. And then it looked like they had broken through in the 16th, but it was not to be. Raul
0: Jimenez carries the ball past Bamine at that point. He plays in Chan, who slots it home, but to their demise, it was offside, very luckily. And uh, that was a huge second warning sign of the first half. Yeah, one ended up being a very slow start for the Blues. Yeah, and at that point in the 16th, just domination,
1: right? You saw Wolves have all day. We couldn't string a single pass together. I mean, not literally, but couldn't string five passes together. Errant, easy balls that were just getting misplaced. And then Wolves were putting four or five guys in between that gap between our center backs and center mids. Allen and Gabamin were too often caught on top of one another or just completely out of position. And the Wolves players would receive turn and have five, 10 yards of space and one closing them down, able to just coast by our players. And it was, it was domination, 75% possession at the 60 minute mark and five nil in shots.
2: And it really kind of carried on from that point. It was almost worse than the fact that they were doing that and still somehow getting one V one isolations out wide. I mean, so Coleman was, had a lot of pressure on him. Godfried from the other side. And both those guys are, are a little tricky out there playing as wingbacks. Um, but the dam eventually broke in the 20th, 28th minute on, sure enough, a Wolves corner. Um, it was a little bit, not, maybe not the way we've seen some of the other corners. I mean, this one was played kind of to the back post. Um, it's, it's a pretty good goal, but God, I mean, it's backside. No one puts a body on him. I mean, is this another byproduct of zonal marking, guys? What do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it pretty much looked like it, right? It was, it was kind of lobbed up to the back post. If you watch on replay, especially the angle that was, that was posted from where the corner was taken, you could kind of see that uh, Michael Keane was moving backwards and kind of jumps at it. He had like the closest, but it was, it was still over his head, right? It was like almost, yeah. he wasn't tall enough, but he also didn't time it right. Um, and I think it was definitely a factor of what we mentioned on previous shows, right? It's, you've got guys coming in running on the end of it, and you've got Michael Keane jumping straight up, or in other words, backpedaling before j- jumping straight up, and it's a problem. Yeah, Kevin but actually, does a
2: pretty good job here, but 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 still, though, I, I do think it's the whole it's zonal, so no one's really responsible for the guy, you know, or else someone maybe were to engage him. Um, but I guess maybe you're probably going to say, James, you, you didn't quite get the run on. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean uh Kilman's not like making a run Ben Godfrey
1: actually probably has the best momentum out of anyone but he's just not in the right position so this is just a case of guys getting beat I mean it wasn't like out leaped or anything as Alex said Michael Keane's kind of takes one step backwards and has to pop his head up he doesn't have any momentum but I mean it's it's ultimately a well-placed corner and a good header but it's a, a theme so you can't I know. You, know you can't give them too much credit because it's inexcusable that Everton are this poor at defending them time after
2: time. And it's still pretty much the same setup. I mean, yeah, there, right. there is, uh, you, you bring up a question, perhaps there are more bodies in front of them, but still those bodies are still in a zone. Like I just don't understand why you can't have a guy, you know, just like a matchup zone. What's the big deal? Play it hybrid like everybody else does, but okay. Oh, well um, we'll get to that because he had some things to say about that in the post-match. Um and unfortunately at that point and we're getting absolutely murdered and I thought okay well maybe we can regroup now take a step maybe maybe the coach might wake up and make a change and 2 3 minutes later and I feel like everything Ben Godfrey is touching right now is just turning to absolute manure. Um <laughs> yeah really and then I I I don't really understand what he's trying to do with the back pass does he just miss it I mean it's kind of pinged out to him wide by by Keane right onto his foot. And I know he's playing left back and he plays it off his right foot. Maybe it's a bad touch to go backwards, but do we think he just stumbles here? I mean, what, what is going on? And what is Mason Holgate doing here either?
1: It's a weird one. I watched this probably like 10 times trying to sort of parse out exactly what was happening. To me, we see Keane's in the center of the pitch. He pings it out wide to Godfrey. Godfrey's first touch is immediately back away from the oncoming defender towards goal. He looks up. He, I think this is a pass to Pickford. And I think that's why Mason Holgate's kind of caught flat footed because it just doesn't have nearly enough pace on it. Yeah. Mason Holgate also <clears throat> never really registers that Jimenez is kind of there trying to poach. And so by the time he looks over his shoulder and sees him, Jimenez has all the momentum and he's in, and it's just a free goal. It's it's an awkwardly placed ball in between both Pickford and Holgate and either have a good play Jimenez in there to scoop it up little dink over Pickford into the back of the net. And Everton individual errors come back to bite us yet again. We're down 2-0 just in just over half an hour. And uh, the heads, I think, uh, maybe started to drop. At least my head started to drop. I shouldn't say that for the players, but I was so frustrated because this is now, I think, the third very easy goal that we've given away this season on lazy back passes and, and inexcusable defensive errors.
2: I mean, Alex, what do you think? Was he playing back to pick? And then you noticed, I mean, this is... This does kind of remind you what happened a little bit last week.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I would say he probably is playing it back to Pickford. And that kind of explains why it was so exaggerated as to as to why Holgate didn't react as yeah. quick as you'd hope. Yeah, You know what I mean? Because it literally just looked like Holgate was sleeping. But I think the only thing you could think is like, OK, he genuinely saw him looking for Pickford. But I mean, to James's point, they you know, they, the the camera pans over to godfrey and i mean he looked pretty flabbergasted but also stunned like he he was not obviously happy that it happened but um the look on his face was was not too fun yeah a guy who's not uh having the best run of
1: form at the moment and you can see it's probably frustrating for him but to continue to kind of have to be our swiss army knife and play all over the back line probably isn't doing him too many favors but that that said even when played at center back he's been pretty questionable as Ryan so rightly mentions
2: Yeah, so at this point, Benitez has no choice, I think, to finally change shape. I mean, exactly. And he basically changes exactly to what we were begging for. He brings in a sitter. He doesn't bring anyone in. That happens at halftime. But he changes formations. It looked to me like it was a 4-1-4-1 in defense. So he basically dropped the mean a little deeper to fill that gap right there in between the lines, right in front of of the 18. And then he looked like he was almost playing a 4-3-3 um in attack which was still a little curious because he played a wobi switched him all the way over to the right playing wide right which makes no sense i mean townsend's a right winger why would you not play alex in the middle or at least play alan on the right side and then play a wobi in the left half space where he's used to playing i thought that was very bizarre but at least he moved gray out wide and i think as a result gray had a little more freedom to operate um and look we looked a lot better I mean I wouldn't say we looked amazing the rest of the first half but what a difference I mean up to that point it was eight to one in shots 73 percent possession I mean they were their pass rate was 89 percent six to zero in dribbles three to zero in corners and then I mean then it, it it's night and day at this point honestly I mean even even then in the first half although we weren't wonderful there were two really big chances that were missed I mean Gray had it was kind of a fluke almost on a breakaway. He was too slow to shoot the ball. I think he's got to do better on that one, too. I mean, and then Holgate's just off sides on the corner, which a Wobie flicked the header. Like, what is I know, going what? on there? It must have been the magical dreadlocks, but it was perfect, you know. And Holgate, I don't know how you missed that, by the way. I don't care if they're off sides or not, but those are two massive chances. I, I, don't, I wouldn't say we look fluid, but we got to halftime, and I think everyone's down in the dumps, but we should have thought about that a little bit more to know that that did did make a big change uh massive stat at halftime 14 to 1 in dribble attempts we were dribble past 10 times out of the 14 i mean that is trash I mean, it is it, it just is. goes to show you we're expanded we're opened up we're not disciplined um but our savior comes in at oh, halftime
1: God. i mean it's not totally inaccurate but yeah at that point i think rafa saw the at least partial error of his ways and that maybe giving JPG the long awaited start didn't result in the best uh, things playing out on the pitch. And so he elects to bring on newly back in the squad, Fabian Delph to try to switch things up at which point the vast majority of the fan base was probably rolling their eyes and, shaking their fists in the air, very frustrated, but we have been objective said, with
2: Fabian Delph here at the American. We have, team.
1: we have, and really the, the criticism of Delph, I think stemmed from some really comically bad passes he's made in the recent, uh, recent times. He's been the in whiff. Games. <laughs> yes. the whiff. I'm referring to the whiff, but also I think just the relentless injuries. I mean, he's been hurt more, certainly more than he's been fit since arriving at Everton. And that was always the concern when we brought him in, regardless, he comes in, replaces bombing and immediately improves the structure and our ability to retain
2: the ball. Yeah, there were some awesome chances in the first half. I mean, Townsend had that cross. that almost was an own goal. Awobi uh, has this classic out of control. Alex Awobi dribble where he beats two guys spins away from it, and it comes through clean. And you're like, what the heck? I mean, I don't know if that was bad defending. He finds gray, gray's cutting inside just like exactly where you want him to have the ball you just kind of lost. It didn't quite get a shot off, but you saw that and you thought, all right, maybe we're in business here. You know, if we can get one, maybe things change early enough. And sure enough, massive chance in the 54th minute for Richarlison. That's when their keeper essentially tries to clear the ball or, well,
0: let me rephrase that distribute (laughs) the ball, but he distributes it straight to Richarlison who was about 10 yards away, running straight towards him. You know, it bounces off Richarlison's feet ankles. I think he got probably a toe on it. Um, and the keeper' was able to collect in the end, but you thought for a second that that was what we always wanted needed, but also you know that could have that could have brushed away the the total everton that moment right because we could have had one ourselves we could right. have gotten a good bit of luck near
1: karmic justice yeah it was the it was the i think it's Sais who makes the back pass, and then cody and and saw the keeper get confused saw tries to play it back out to Sais. Hits it right at Richie. And actually, Saw recovers pretty well to make the save. I mean, I don't think Richarlison's expecting it to just go like right off of his foot and hit that way. And he's hustling after it. But yeah, Saw recovers it, and that chance goes wasted. Unfortunately, I think that would have been a really key moment to get uh one back. But um
2: things just, just got like crazy at that yeah. point, though. It's just wide open all over the place. I, I would be remiss to not mention. Michael Keane just kept getting isolated in one V ones. And you're thinking he's going to get toasted and he, and he got beat a couple of times, but most of the time he, he took risks, which he shouldn't have taken and kept winning the ball. I mean, his numbers, by the way, were ridiculous, stupid. He had like six tackles, three interceptions, four clearances, seven for 10 in long balls. I don't know how he was doing it, but it was massive. Um, they did have some massive chances. I mean, him and him his missed that header which was yeah. great composure by them, by the way, in the box. I mean, Wolves are pretty composed with the ball. They have a lot of good passers, and I guess it skimmed off the post. I, I thought we were done for when that came out. And Trinkow had a big opportunity as well in the 67 to kind of went to the left. Um, but, you know, we kept, we kept digging in. And we had chances, too. Um, so and finally, you know, we broke through with the goal in the second half. Thank God. Um, none other than. The mighty Alex Owobi uh, right before the Trinkawa offering. Um on I guess how did Michael King get the assist on that one?
1: Yeah, so actually just
2: uh, kind of so booted it's... it in there. Is that is that how No,
1: hard? so the play starts with the long throw. Oh, this from...
2: is when he was playing striker, right?
1: <laughs> yes, right, right. So it's a long throw in from Holgate, Wolves clear it, comes right. out to Alan, who puts it to Townsend. Townsend tries to put in a cross, it gets blocked, comes out to Seamus, play on the right, or actually Seamus is on the left at this point plays it to gray infield to Ben Godfrey. We just have all our center backs playing striker at this point Yeah, makes sense. Takes a shot from like 25 yards and the shot goes to Keane's feet. And he essentially is back to goal and he like touches it back, whether he meant to do this or not. He lays it off for a Wobi, We then rifles it into the bottom corner pass saw and it's two one and uh, a difficult finish from a player who is not renowned for his finishing ability to say the least. Uh, and we're, Back in the game, and at that point, feeling like there's some momentum brewing. At least I, I felt that way.
2: We looked dangerous. I think part of the problem was we were just dead, I and mean, there was so much effort expended to try and get back into it at that point. When the game was so wide open and so back and forth, um, I think the sub for maybe I wouldn't have subbed Woby. Maybe I would have subbed Townsend, but I, I think that sub. In fact, actually, that makes more sense. Imagine Woby sitting there in the right half space, feeding Godfrey, flying up down the wing. That that might have been more effective, but. Um. Either way, I, I, you know, Gordon came on and did really, really well. But again, Wolves are exhausted too here. You know, so this is a big advantage. Gordon is quick. He's got fresh legs. He's playing direct. Uh, almost broke through with the cross, which you know the quality wasn't quite there. But he beat beat someone to the outside. um But I, I still think again, everyone thinks that I favor a Wobi. But objectively looking at it, I thought a Wobi played a pretty good game he definitely worked. I mean, the guy was running all over the place. I would love to look at distance covered. I wish I had those numbers. It was tremendous. Uh, I don't know how he was still running at the end of it, but look, he had two key passes. He took care of the ball so well. I mean, did he misplace a pass? It's like 94.7% passing. Uh, he really didn't lose the ball either. Dispossessed twice one time, which was a blatant foul that he just got tackled. And some reason they don't call it, um, two dribbles and, and he scored the goal and, you know, that's the thing. If he's going to play on the right side, you know, he's not going to be quite as dangerous. But, you know, he had the flick on to Holgate. he had a couple other passes that people did nothing with. I, I thought he was really effective and didn't get rid of the ball like some of the other guys did. I mean, we were just handing them the ball at one point. You know what I mean? Um, but anyway, Gordon's shining moment came, though, thereafter, though, on the corner. And I didn't know if he had this in his ba- he had this in his bag, but this is pretty close. It was a good corner. And Gordon rises up kind of on on the near post sends it back towards the goal. I mean, it's a pretty good save, don't you guys think?
0: It was honestly a really good save by the keeper. Um, it would have been a really nice moment for Gordon to make it 2-2 for his first Everton goal in the Premier yes, League. would have been. Um, but I also feel like in this moment, maybe that kind of shut down the argument that maybe maybe that uh, Gordon should have started in the first place over Owobi. right? Owobi scores one goal before it gets subbed out for Gordon, and Gordon at this point in time is looking
2: like a real menace. And maybe that's not the sub too. Like that—that's the thing. It doesn't have to be Alex Awobi for Gordon. In fact, I think if you're losing, if you're using Alex Awobi correctly, I don't see them as a like-for-like like anyway. You know, I—that's just how I view it. Like I view Gordon as more of, kind of the vertical threat. You know, and and Alex gray, is more, yeah, yeah, Gray and Gray we know gets tired too, and he he was running out of gas as well. Or maybe Townsend. I mean, then you say, well, you lose the set pieces, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, if Dean's playing, that's probably not as big a deal as it maybe was today. So that may have been one of the reasons why, why as well. Um, and then the 90th minute, Ronan finally comes in for Gray. I mean, I, to me, this is still a little late. You know, I yeah. I, I just – one of those two guys would have been tired at this point. I'm not really sure why they didn't go for him. Um, what did you guys think of Damari Gray's performance uh, today? Because, I mean – he he was in some of the similar positions he's been in in the past. I just felt like, I mean, he certainly lost the ball a lot. He had some good dribbles, but not as effective, I I think. And maybe it was just a step slow with his decision-making. He may need a rest too, honestly.
1: Yeah, he's been playing a lot. Um, And and he he also started so well and set the bar so high that I think any sort of drop down from that is going to be a little disappointing. But I think what we saw today was just a little bit of a coming back to earth. Yeah. He sat on the ball a little too long. I think he was trying to a little too much with the ball at his feet instead of getting it out quickly, Yeah, had a couple opportunities to play crosses in where he elected to then try to beat his man. And, uh, it wasn't a great performance from him. I'm not going to beat around the bush, but I don't think it was catastrophic either. I mean, he did have four dispossessions and four bad touches. So at face value, that's pretty bad, but he drew four fouls, had a key pass. Um, and, and, Really, I was disappointed with his his lack of clinicality in the box. Yeah, because he had those couple where we saw him finish some early goals from tight angles, and I thought he would take those opportunities today, and he just seemed reluctant to shoot the ball um, until he's waiting for the perfect shot rather than taking a, a maybe not great one.
2: Yeah, and I would have liked to see him try and work the ball into Charleston a little bit more. I think Townsend's guilty that I mean, he's always just firing crosses kind of into the box. Um he had, he had a bunch of key passes today. I mean, some of them were off the couple set pieces, but I mean, he had five bad touches as well. I just felt like he wasn't taking care of the ball. That that's kind of his negative though. Townsend. I mean, when he's playing kind of up and down, he loses the ball a lot. He's not like that clean with it, but you know, conversely he's expedient with it too. You know, he is aggressive and he moves fast, but we forget. I mean, these guys combined costs, whatever gray costs, which is about <laughs> 1.7 million pounds. So to expect a whole lot more from these guys, is pretty unfair. And we've gotten a lot from them, but I mean, they're both got to be tired. They they've carried on a lot of burden. So it'll be interesting to see what we do in the future. Eventually when Dominic Calvert-Lewin comes back in, but look, I I think it's very obvious. The second half was considerably better. Yes. Wolves had two or three massive chances, but for the most part it was all Everton and the numbers looked a heck of a lot better for sure too.
0: Right. 55 to 45% possession in the second half, which was pretty, pretty decent. Two to 11 shots, but zero compared to five on target, which is um, Massive. quite, yeah, it's quite telling for sure. Um, pass completion percentage, 83 to 77, nothing nothing crazy there. But quite a difference in dribbles, 7 to 12, 9 to 17 in tackles as well, um, 3 to 1 in corners. So it, it was definitely a more level and competitive second half by all accounts.
2: Yeah, I, I think after the switch in the 35th, I mean, it's the numbers are staggering. I mean, 13 to two in shots, three to one in corners. I mean, I I thought it was night and day. I know there'll be some narrative out there by people and saying it's not tactics, it's effort and blood and guts and all this stuff. But look, it was clearly a shape issue. And I mean, do we really think the effort, maybe the effort was better, but all the effort in the world isn't really going to matter if you're not in the right places. I mean, we could, we could have. I don't think our effort was lacking. I think we were confused and frustrated because they had the ball in space and and we didn't, and we are in bad situations. I mean, what do you want to do? Like, if they've got the ball, like you're saying, James, like close to goal with time and space on it, I mean, all the effort and the excitability and the energy in the world is not going to matter.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a fair assessment. I, I did feel like maybe it's just the byproduct of the tactical setup, but there wasn't a great deal of, of high intensity pressure to come out to start the match. And we really only started to see that ramp up after we went down two goals. But that said, I think that the reason that Wolves were able to receive the ball in space and have all that time in lack of pressure was the positioning of the players. And I think yeah. that comes back to the tactical setup, right? Like there's, there's only so many cases where guys can, sprint to close people down from 10 15 yards away like if you're getting caught in that position consistently you're just going to run yourself ragged and it's it's just not a functional way and to we did some of level
2: it. and we did yeah. some of that you know i mean there's no reason to run after someone in pressure unless you have support or cover you know it, it just doesn't work you're easily bypassed especially by a team with like wolves that can really pass the ball yeah um anyway um so that being said after the match there were some very interesting comments in the post-match interview by mr rafael benitez that i definitely want to walk through because I, th- I think it brings up several interesting talking points and some of his responses i found curious and i'm curious what you guys think about it so the gaffer comes out and gives this interview and i, I thought there were some very good questions i, I will give the interviewer question uh, or comment and compliments for the questions and whatever the heck i'm talking about right now anyway um so he seemed to emphasize character and chances in the second half. That was the reaction we were expecting. And, and Rafa seemed like that was kind of his summary. So I think, sure, there was some more effort, but then he really gets into it. So, you know, he asked, you know, why are you second best in the first half? And, and Benitez kind of said they were late on second balls. You know, look at what we did in the second half. It was not a question of shape. It was a question of character alex thoughts
0: yeah i mean i think um i've agreed with both of your points throughout the episode talking about the shape specifically that uh that gap that we've spoken so much about um and it was probably i mean maybe he's talking past it a little bit right maybe it's not a question of shape but the implementation of the tactics which in turn ends up being the shape uh however question of character i mean hmm, who knows what about you james I think it's it's a
1: bit of a deflection by our Spanish gaffer I think you know a bit either there's a direct correlation to the moment that we change the positioning of the players and (laughs) suddenly putting in more effort or the shape was part of the problem because that's the the only way that I can get around it and I think catcher in the rye at hold in the blue says it pretty well the shape in the first half was completely wrong he saw it too and changed the shape and we were better he's lying to people here and treating us like idiots a bit Hot. controversial and, and maybe maybe it is a little bit of pandering the classic like fight and spirit as we so uh often say on the show in a bit of a maybe slightly mocking way but i do think that you don't often see managers going too deep into like tactical breakdowns and post-match interviews. Like to what extent he's going to say, like, well, we decided to move Fabian Delphin and play more of a sitting six. And maybe that'd be refreshing and nice to see, but it's not, I don't think it's customary for a post-match interview in that
2: format. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> he, I mean, <laughs> he knows exactly what he's doing. Of course, you know, he did it in the same thing on the set pieces. It's commitment. It's aggressiveness course the everton faithful eat that stuff up but look i mean i'm sorry it was eight to one in shots in one formation and 13 to two in the other i mean i how is that arguable and it's the same crap we've seen over and over again thank god wadford were abysmal for the first 60 minutes and only scored on set pieces because any decent team would have picked those two midfielders apart and you could say well maybe it's the center halves maybe it is maybe it is i don't care who it is though that gap is there and it's obvious. And the worst part is ever since QPR showed exactly how you pull apart that four, four, two, everybody else is doing it too. I mean, West Ham was a borderline joke. I mean, you know, the XG was obviously about two to one, but um, people are talking about, well, they just got their set piece win. No man, wake up. This has been happening for a long, long time. I I just cannot believe he went into this match. and didn't change anything. I mean, I mean, come on, man. Really? Like how, you know, it's happening. Is he, or is he that stubborn? Did he think JPG maybe just naturally would, would sit because that's his natural predilection. If that was the case, he should have moved him to the left because it seems like he likes to play more of the sitter in the left. But anyway, um, counter counterpoint to that, Ryan, just quickly.
1: I mean, you've seen some of the most successful managers can be the most stubborn. You look at someone like Jose Mourinho, who tends to want to, uh, They they want to play a certain way. That's not to excuse or the lack of like in-game adjustments, but he has this philosophy. He believes it's the right way to win. Whether or not that actually plays out is a different question, but I I think it's clear that at least in this case, he recognized the error of his ways, even if he's not willing to publicly admit that.
2: Well, if he goes forward with this, yeah, but uh, no, I mean, um, but I'm sorry. How can you, it's been blatantly obvious for weeks now so that's great i mean hooray i'm glad you changed in the 35th but we still lost yeah so again this is the age-old question that we've asked several times does he get credit for the adjustments or does he get the flack for starting out the wrong way and i'm he's still misusing individuals but anyway let's get to the fabian Delph comment he asked you know why fabian Delph and benitez's comment was we needed to be better on the ball and keep balance he kept mentioning this keeping balance keeping balance i, I mean he set up the team. So if they weren't balanced, I didn't see anything out of the ordinary in terms of how these guys play again. Maybe, maybe Rafi doesn't know these players as well as he suggested he did when he walked in and said, I gave all these ideas on how to fix Everton and everything will be fine in, in five seconds. I just, I just, anyway, um, what did you guys think of Fabian Delft though? I mean, I thought he made a big difference. Certainly he's a very good possession player, we talked in the assessment that we didn't think he was necessarily a great fit for Rafa because he likes to dwell on the ball, but there are obviously circumstances that even the most ardent counterattacking team is going to have to play with the ball at times. And I thought he was an excellent quarterback today.
0: Yeah, I thought, I thought he, well, the team definitely looked improved substantially since he came on, but he did the simple things well, right? He was constantly showing for the ball, which was an improvement compared to JPG before him. Correct. He was constantly turning with the ball, passing it forward. Even if yep. most of them were short passes, he kept the ball moving consistently. And I think, I mean, you know, it, sometimes it is the intangibles. Like Fabian Delph, like everyone thought that he was brought in for his leadership qualities. That's not something to be scoffed at. I think, uh, oh, he's laughing. Yet you're, la-
2: you're laughing now. That's on you. Don't laugh at James. He's not that fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's mean. Well, no, Point but in is, this case, though, he was on the ball a lot. He did show leadership, at least on the ball. I mean, maybe he wasn't as good at pointing as some of our previous captains. But, <laughs> you know, well, another big advantage of him, he's two-footed, too. I mean, that, that's actually very helpful. And and granted, he was distributing a lot down the right side, and we were dangerous that way. But, I mean, it helps massively to have someone that's active in the back and accurate with his passing, you know, so you don't feel like you got to come back to the ball so far every time. He can actually bypass bypass a line. I I don't know what you thought, James, but we've talked a lot about Delph. Delph's a really good passer. I mean, there's really no doubt about that. I mean, this is a guy that's almost led the league in pass accuracy and progression at times, and everyone's like, oh, it was with Man City. It's with Man City. Look, the guy started more than 20 times at left back for a team that had like 100 points. So he's not a complete dunce here. Um, But yeah, I mean, it
1: almost looked like a different team, didn't it? It really did. And how much of that is to Delph's competency versus JPG's? I'm not going to say he was, he was doing great today. He's rusty. It's his first start in almost yeah, years. Right. I don't put any blame on him and I don't think it has any <clears throat> huge implications for his long-term future. In fact, I think it was good for him to get 45 minutes under his belt, Agreed. but yeah, Delph came in, offered a different level of composure and he actually made some really clever tackles as well. He had a really nice sliding challenge that was important. Um, and the uh, we had a couple of listener comments as well that pointed out how good they felt Delph was. We had Mark Christopher uh, at Mark C eight fifty six say, "Simple but key: use players in positions and roles where they excel. Things looked worlds better once Delph came on."
2: What a good idea! Use players <laughs> in positions and roles where they excel. Good idea. That's a really good idea. Something to think about with some of the other players. Hmm.
0: You have to agree. And Alan Brody at Brody and MD. He came in and said, we all know injuries have been brutal, for the, but for the first 45 was appallingly bad. Alan. I've backed Rafa, <laughs> but he must adjust set-piece defending and can't let opponent dictate play or possession so much. Hesitate to give out man of the match, but it has to be gulp Delf. so much better after he came on.
2: So I'd like the transition, though, there, too, to set pieces. Now, when asked about his set-piece issues, he... Did not mention anything about his tactics, of course, because Raphael is determined to never ever admit fault for anything at this point. I'm convinced. Um, well, I'm sorry, it doesn't seem like it. I mean, I'm not making this. No, oh, you're up. not wrong. He's you're already wrong. criticized everyone in the organization at this point, and and he's been mild. I don't. I mean, Newcastle, he was outrageous. I mean, he just basically threw everyone on the bus. He just didn't care. But he, he blamed the lack of good players in the air. He basically did. I mean, that's basically what he said. Dominic Calverloo and Mina. You know, you can't control everything is whatever he said, which, okay. I mean, those are fair points. I mean, but you know, I just kept thinking my reaction this whole time was thank God they only had four corners. And I mean, was it really just Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Jerry Mina? Is is that, has that been the problem? Do we really, is that it?
1: No, I think, I think the zonal marking setup, you have, you have a lot of questions, whether it's the tactic itself or the player's implementation of it. And either way, I think it comes back to the coaching and implementation of the strategy yeah, it helps when you have like year, six five year Amina and and Dominic Coverlewin in there to just win everything. And without Rondon too, I might add, I, I think that does make a difference if they're in there. That said, sure, And we talked about you know the goal they scored wasn't necessarily because anyone was too short. Although Michael Keane maybe could have used a couple extra inches of height, perhaps. But it's it's the recurring nature of this issue that makes me think it's not just the players on the pitch. It goes beyond that to, to what they're being coached to do and how we're matching up with guys who are just winning everything over us.
2: Uh, we did post a history, Rafa's kind of set piece um, numbers on the Discord too. Check it out. Um, I, yeah, I don't want to mischaracterize those numbers. I mean, some good, some bad, pretty mixed. Um, you know, I, I some people jumped on that and said, wow, that's really not good on some teams that were good. But you know the, those numbers only go so far back for me, so I you know I did my best and threw it out there. I I I think the tactics totally wrong as well. I think those blockers need to do something, but I think it's it's exacerbated by the success that we had probably last year. And I know Alex pointed out a, a pretty important stat. I think and and you know just so far how we're doing on set pieces this year. It ain't pretty.
0: Yeah, no, not at all. I mean we've now got eight goals conceded this season on set pieces, which. By the way, it's November 1st. That equals the same amount conceded in the entirety of last season, right? So we know Dami
2: Is that good? That's terrible. <laughs> oh, that's pretty, yeah, pretty bad, bad,
0: actually, Ryan. Yeah, just oh, to be
2: clear. Oh, yeah. We know I mean, it sounded Ancelotti. bad. I, just,
1: I know you struggle to interpret numbers.
2: So it yeah, sounded bad to good. me, too. I just, God. I mean, you have to laugh, guys. You just otherwise you'd cry. Um, but yeah, I mean, and it was a different system, right? It was, a, it was very much a hybrid system. It's um, it such a
1: good example of why the continuity is so important, yeah. and the lack of continuity. Because like, we could have just, in theory, kept doing similar to what we were doing, and maybe we wouldn't have had the exact same results. But now it's just a complete train wreck. Like every time we concede a corner, it's like a penalty. I feel like we're going to concede every single time. It's crazy.
2: Yeah, and then, then Benitez finishes off with this strange comment when asked about Wolves that he mentioned it's a question of tactics, and then he kind of, kind of stops of- himself and then says it's characters i don't know what in god's green earth he meant by that but i, I kind of i have a sneaking suspicion that he knew this is tactical all along maybe i mean how would he not know i mean he obviously changed his shape i mean he changed his shape in the first half right after a goal he was taking notes he had it i mean he had to have seen this all along and had this fear I and mean, it's been blatantly obvious by anyone that you know could can knows anything about tactics um let's go to some Some comments, I think, from the listeners. There's some good ones in here that are worth discussion. I think Casey Griffith at C underscore Griff three one four. Tactically wrong in the first half, but also no fighting spirit. Delph is a good player when he makes himself available. That's pretty funny actually the way you phrase that. When he, yeah I feel like I'm available to. Uh Gordon actually progressing into a Premier League player. Both deserve starts next week. Expect we will be bottom 6 by Christmas <laughs> with the run ahead. Uh wow, I jumped around a little bit. Yeah, that's um, a turn at the end there. I know it did, didn't it? Um no fighting spirit. Again, I struggle with that a little bit because I think teams that are well organized both tend to play faster and look faster. And I mean, what is what I, you know, the other thing is, too, I don't understand what fighting spirit really looks like sometimes. Like, if you're really well organized and you're just standing there, are, are you lacking fighting spirit? Yes. Like, like, is this like mutual? Yes. Is this mutually exclusive? You, you cannot be smart and organized and calm, but, you know, and have fighting spirit. So, like, what does that look like? Do they want people to be set up perfectly in the 4-4-2 and, like, jumping up and down and pointing and yelling or something? I, I, so I think it's very, I think it's kind of ridiculous to say there wasn't fighting spirit when players are not comfortable or they're getting out-tactic and they're getting exploited and they are reacting all the time. And I, that doesn't mean they're lacking fighting spirit. That means they're disorganized. You know, I just, I don't, I don't buy it. I think this team last year, I thought, had a lot of character at times. And I thought they showed character tonight and, and fought, but I just think it was because they were put in a, a better position to succeed due to the formation. I mean, Elon was running around like a maniac and wasn't playing great, but he was freed up from responsibilities by putting that extra person in midfield. And I think people were allowed to be more aggressive, be more confident making runs when Delph had the ball and we had more space. We had the ball more. I just, I'm just not buying it, man. I'm just, I'm just not, I'm not buying it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you get, This is, I mean, and it's not limited to, we're not singling out Casey at all. It's everyone from the pundits on Sky to the pundits on NBC to journalists, to everyone. It's an easy way to sort of encompass all of the problems to just say like the team's not trying. But I think that if, to your point, Ryan, what defines fighting spirit, I think to a lot of fans, that's like, if you got a lot of guys running around throwing in crazy slide tackles, like Mason Holgate tried to put in, maybe not in that exact position, but... Throwing in slide tackles and and bodying people, and we saw a little bit of fight from uh, Seamus Coleman towards the end there, getting in a, a little scuffle, and then Anthony Gordon coming in to to back him up, which I thought was nice. But it's just like that in competitive intensity, and like when we went down two nil, I think there was Ben Godfrey, Alex said, you know, kind of hanging his head, um, and I think you know you want to see a response, and I think we did see it, but it just should never have gotten to that point. And the, we've said it enough now. The reason it got to that point was the tactics, tactical setup left a lot to be desired. And I think that again, we said a last episode, it it falls at the feet of the manager at the end of the day.
2: I mean, how do you ignore the number? I mean, I'm sorry. You can't sit there and say, well, oh, they're just stats. They don't mean anything. Yeah. I mean, eight to one in shots immediately going to 13 to two. Uh, It's not a coincidence. So I, I just, I don't buy this magically. We changed shape and then it was like a potion and suddenly we became energized. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a joke. Red Bull gives you wings. that's yeah that's what must have happened we all chugged red bulls in half so um anyway so i I guess the real question is what does this mean going forward do we think Rafa's learned his lesson do you think he's going to come out you know the sad part is stewart can't we're not going to like trigger some sort of tactical change and surprise anyone at this point so because they probably i would assume we got to come out with a similar setup next time out don't we we can't go back to the 442 I, i mean he can't be that stubborn I think
1: you underestimate Rafa Benitez, Ryan, which surprises me for you because I feel like you've got a good read on the guy. You mean one of the things, one of his key character traits seems to be his stubbornness. I, I know, that said, but... that said, looking at the run of games, which Casey referenced in his comment, we've got Spurs. It'll be presumably Conte's first match in charge when we face them on Sunday. Now we've got Man City, Brentford, the Merseyside <clears> Derby, <throat> at Goodison, which God knows what the atmosphere could be like if we Ooh. don't pick up some points in the next couple of fixtures, and then Arsenal, and then we have Palace. So this is like taking us into December. So that's a formidable run of fixtures. You have to think, and we said when Rafa first arrived, be on a short leash with the fans. I think three losses on the trot, giving fans a little bit of um concern. At least I don't I don't think a lot of people are blaming him just yet. I think that, that the anger, from what I've seen, seems to be directed at. The club as a whole and our ineptitude in running an organization. Amazing, by the <laughs>
2: way. That, that's the most amazing turnaround, I think, in fandom history, by <laughs> the way. If you really think about it, it's incredible. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah.
1: Anyway, uh, point being, as we look forward, I think it's going to require some major tactical changes. But also, these teams we're facing next do play in such a way that I maybe we don't know what Spurs are going to do under Conte exactly. Um, but games where our lack of possession is going to be probably more uh, prominent than it has been against sides like Watford and Wolves, where we still haven't won the majority of possession. So it's, it could get really ugly, I
2: guess, is my, it could go the other way too. I mean, you know, I think maybe a Benitez setups a little bit better against those teams that want to try and push forward too. I mean, you just, you never know, really. Um, RuPaul Pogba kind of has a a final thought. I think that that's interesting. His comment is as players get healthy, the play will improve. I mean, there is some merit to the fact that some of these injuries is prohibited. What, what we want to do, but, but we ran into this the last two years as well. So all I ask is that we objectively evaluate the manager in the squad. And I think that there's still a misunderstanding of roles and responsibilities and in, in this tactic that I, I hope fans are try and begin to embrace because I, I think it explains a lot of the performances personally. Um, but I don't know. You know me. I just, I don't want to buy this narrative. I I just feel like people are going to almost fall for it. You know, Rafa's going to blame everyone else. And I think sometimes part of this is his fault. And I I hate to look at, I feel like today I watched it and I said, it's his fault. I mean, look, when we set up and made the change, we were the much better team. I mean, do you guys agree with that? I mean, if so, I mean, isn't that, I mean, it keeps happening. I mean, he's got to bear a lot of the responsibility for this stuff, I think.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I mean, the change—the change showed all we need to, you know, all that needed to be said about it. Really, right? I mean, we've hit, we've hit, hit on the the shots and the the uh, difference in shots between the two halves consistently, and uh, hopefully, I mean, there are a lot of shouts for like three in the midfield coming up. We could obviously see that as a change moving out of a four-four-two. Maybe if you get your wish, Ryan. Um, but I guess only time will tell, and it will definitely be interesting to see us up against Spurs, especially Conte Spurs, pretty soon.
1: And I do think you can't discount the injuries as a factor. Like, if we have our our best 11 players on the field, if we have Luca Dean today, right? I mean, does he make that bad back pass? I know that's a specific example, but he obviously gives us a little bit more going forward from left back than Ben Godfrey. If we have, I mean, mean, we barely even talked about Richarlison in this episode. I mean, the guy was extremely isolated playing in that lone striker position. There were plenty of balls that I saw played up top that I think either Rondon or Dominic Lewin ideally would have been in a better position to win. And I don't want to knock Richarlison because I don't think, again, I think he's a victim of the setup. Point being, we're a better team with our best players in. And no, it's not the reason we lost, the sole reason we lost the game, because I think we absolutely could have won had the tactics been right today. But I think, the, we, we I mean, we said the lack of depth. Seamus Coleman didn't have his best game. Why is he still our right back? It just goes, and I don't, we've, we've beat this into the ground so much, but the lack of signings and key positions is going to be a problem for us, especially if we continue to pick up injuries. So less said on that, the better, but I do think RuPaul Pogba makes a good point in that. If we get Decoré, Dean, Dominic Calvert-Lewin back, and and don't have to run a lot of the guys who have been had to play out of just pure circumstance, because there's no one else, maybe get them some some rest and see the best out of, of those guys as well. Is rough on the hot
0: seat. For you,
1: yeah. No, I, I don't think he should be. I don't think that's. True. <laughs> no, I don't think he's on the hot seat yet. Just because he flakes me off with his arrogance doesn't mean that. I mean, if we get thwacked by Spurs and City and then go into Brentford and uh, can't show any sort of response, very different picture. I mean, if we're we're looking at six losses in a row in the face. The picture changes dramatically, but. Um, that obviously remains to be seen. So we'll just have to let that play out. I am still somewhat optimistic, but anyway, any last thoughts, Alex or Ryan?
2: Yeah, but I'm going to keep him for the next couple of <laughs> episodes. I always have so many things to say. Um, uh, I, I hope he learned his lesson today, but we keep saying that and it, it, it's disappointing. And look, Carlo had a set up a couple of times wrong last year too. And I think yeah. what we try and do on the podcast is be objective. And while he does irk me with his attitude at times Benitez and I think he would have been better off coming out and saying, I got it wrong. You know, I put some guys in position and maybe not succeed. And, you know, I had a feeling it might be, but I took a chance and I changed it as quickly as I could. And then we got unlucky. That's a much better narrative to me. And I think the team probably would have felt a little bit better about it. But again, this guy's also not really known to be Superman manager. So, um, you know, I, I think he just looks at the game differently. And for some people that's going to be really good for others. It won't be, um, it irks me. I just hope he learns his lesson and we come out firing next week, but I just, this was a winnable match. Um, and I'm, I just, it's just disappointing when you see how it played out on the pitch. If we would have started out that way, I, I just think the results could have been significantly different.
1: I think we're all on the same page there and hopefully fans listening at home can take some, positives from this or at least take some hopefully learned a few things or maybe we caught some stuff that you guys missed watching the game live and we thank everyone for listening very much if you enjoyed the show you could leave us a rating subscribe on your podcast platform of choice be much appreciated and if you'd leave us a review that helps us out a ton as well otherwise you can find all of our social media and links to all our toffee tv usa episodes all our social media every podcast platform you can find us on it is at linktree slash usa toffee pod that's l-i-n-k tr.ee slash usa toffee pod otherwise we'll be with you following the match sunday against spurs and until then up the toffees